Hello and welcome to Saturn Returns with me, Kagi Dunlop. This is a podcast that aims to bring clarity during transitional times where there can be confusion and doubt. So we went on three dates, Thursday, Sunday, the next Thursday, and we never left each other since that Thursday. And after kind of two weeks or so, he started helping me with Delicious Yellow and things that I was doing. And after two months he quit his job and we started building delicious yellow together today i'm thrilled to be sitting down with the wonderful ella mills the founder of deliciously ella ella was at the forefront of the vegan movement at the age of 23 which started out as an exploration of ways to regain her own health but it soon grew into a hugely successful empire She runs it alongside her husband, who is also her business partner, and her ethos has always been to make healthy living easy and exciting and accessible for people. Since beginning her blog in 2011, Ella has gone on to sell one and a half million books in the UK and her recipes have been translated into 30 different languages. As well as being a hugely successful businesswoman, she is a mother of two young girls. I've been in touch with Ella for a while and Ella is a fan of the Saturn Returns podcast which I'm very honoured by and I went on her podcast when I was doing the sort of the rounds for my book and I loved connecting with her and so I was thrilled to get her on the show for this season and she speaks so beautifully so eloquently but what really came through in this conversation for me was this theme of autonomy and it is so important and it is so saturnian to be able to have autonomy over our lives over our decisions and it really ties in with authority and i think that that's something particularly as women we can find really hard to do because we have been conditioned to subcontract our authority over to other people And so I was really impressed by Ella's ability to constantly come back to herself in challenging times, even when other people were telling her to do things differently or thought that, you know, her and her husband were crazy for doing what they were doing. And it shows that it pays off. And so I hope that some of the takeaways for this conversation for you guys is to step into your power, to step into your truth and to have autonomy over your own lives. I hope you enjoy this episode. And welcome to Saturn Returns. Thank you so much. I've been an um, avid listener for a long time, so it's almost quite bizarre to be now in the episode. That is incredibly flattering. And obviously the last time I saw you was when I was on your show. But um, for the audience, I feel like everyone is going to know who you are, but for the audience that doesn't know, would you be able to introduce yourself in your own words, like what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Ella. Um, I started a company called Delicious Ella as a exploration to regain my health after a very low period. So this was back in 2011 into 2012. And I've been running that and growing that with my husband ever since. And the real focus is just trying to make healthy living easy and exciting for people. And I've also got two little girls, so that's the other half of my life. Um, so it's full chaos and totally brilliant. Which we were just discussing and I can't wait to get into. But to bring it right back to the beginning, in 2011, obviously you were at the forefront of this movement. Not many people were doing it. It was kind of, obviously it's become very much a common thing now and people have a lot more vocabulary around it and awareness. But at the time they didn't. So what you just touched on it but what really like could you take us back to that moment in time and what was going on for you yeah absolutely so as you said no one was talking about the link between how we lived our lives and and obviously a big part of that is diet but obviously our health goes beyond just just what we eat and to the way that we live our lives and our health and so I always feel like I have to fully preface you know sitting here at the end of 2023 saying this was a revolutionary concept because it was I know but it seems so strange today because it's as you said it's much more part of kind of common vocabulary and conversation and lexicon today um but it just absolutely wasn't at that point and I spent 2011 in that hospital I was very very ill with a condition that affected my autonomic nervous system so I couldn't control 
all these um, systems and processes that should happen totally automatically, um, whether that was controlling my heart rate or my digestion, circulation, um, all sorts of issues with my immune system, I had chronic fatigue, so we were sleeping kind of up to 18 hours a day, brain fog, chronic pain. I spent almost three and a half years, I think it was, on antibiotics. You used to have to go into hospital for antibiotic drips, for all these infections, like you name it, I had it basically. And I and was, how old were you at the time? So I was 20, turning 21. It's really tough. So very young and quite a strange age, I think, because it's that age where the world's really in front of you. And I guess actually it's funny, I hadn't thought about it until just then, but it's very relevant, I guess. I know it's a little bit earlier, but it's the Saturn returns and this kind of moment of transition in your life. And but I, you do, because you go through Saturn squares and oppositions. So like Saturn has seven year cycles in a way as it does its full orbit. So every seven years we have these like mini initiations and 21 is one. Yeah, it's really interesting because I, I feel that very strongly that it's this real tipping point in your life, you know, yeah. when you're becoming gently your own person is starting to understand who you are and like how is the adult world going to open up for you mm -hmm. and what do you want to explore and so just as I felt that I was kind of getting a sense of independence and um, a little bit more self-belief and autonomy mm -hmm. um, that all fell away mm -hmm. and as everyone around me was looking to their future and applying for jobs and thinking about what they wanted to do I was sort of faced with this idea well if I stay as I am you know I won't be able to work I'll live at home with my mum forever and what does that look like so it was a very interesting for want of a better word time I think to be so unwell and I also just didn't have the tools to deal with it very well and so I just shut myself away I felt it was easier not to talk about it and not to I found finding any sense of vulnerability around it incredibly difficult. I didn't like that it made me feel alien or other. Um, and I just desperately wanted to fit in. And I, it was so clear that that stopped that from being the case. Um, was it, if you don't mind me asking, was it quite a quick thing that came on or was it over time? No, it was so quick. It was, it was really within a week or so that I had gone from being totally normal to thinking wait something's not quite right and two months later the symptoms had kind of fully set in and I was incredibly it's quite debilitating. fully debilitating and um so yeah it was really it was incredibly fast so things kind of turned upside down within the space of a summer um holiday from uni and I stayed like that for about almost nine months of really just kind of consistently waiting for someone else to have an answer and consistently thinking well when I try the next medication or when I meet the next doctor they will know what to do and they will solve the problem for me and in retrospect I think in the illness but outside of the illness as well that has always been one of probably my biggest challenges is I guess wanting people to find the solution for you mm -hmm. and not always being quick enough to find it for yourself or have the self-belief to find it for yourself. And it was realizing when I tried the last drug from the doctor that I was working with and it didn't do anything, um, it actually gave me some quite complicated side effects that arguably just made me a little bit worse. And I remember so vividly, it's really like strong memory for me sitting on the floor of my room on the phone to him. And he said, like, I, I don't have anything else. I don't have anything else I can offer you. I don't really have any more suggestions. And just for the first time really in that whole year, I just completely lost it. Like I was absolutely inconsolable and I had this sense of complete hopelessness. Yeah. And I sat in that for a little bit until I had that kind of real wake up moment of, my God, that will be my life. Uh, and I, I can't let that be the case. And it was in realizing that, that I was prompted to start to research what else I could do and to start to take a little bit more control um, of the situation and, and of my life again. You say, because you, you speak about, you know, how we sort of subcontract our authority onto other people and especially doctors or in that sort of health 
world a bit less so now but definitely at that time like well if they don't know what to do then I'm doomed but do you not feel that generally speaking as a society we tend to do that with most aspects of our life yeah no completely I think it goes it's quite a 360 situation I think we we so often I certainly have done that goodness knows how many times want someone else to solve our problem for us yeah and um and people so rarely do uh, so that was a very interesting realization. I remember when I first met my now husband, he talked about it so much, this idea you've got to internalize the solution. And he's, that. yeah, it's nice, isn't it? He's obsessed with it. It's like how it's his like number, I guess it's his sort of North star in the way that he makes his decisions and lives his life, which is like, I am the only person accountable for my life and my actions and only I am responsible for it. And I've got to solve everything for myself and he doesn't do it in a way that's isolationist and it's, it's pushing incredibly people away. saturnian like yeah. these themes of like autonomy authority taking that responsibility but you know these, but it's quite scary oh, they're terrifying exactly. and they're things that you know especially in our well teenage years or even 20s like we want to be adults but we don't want the responsibility of adulthood and then it's only really kind of in our late 20s usually through experience that we kind of find those within ourselves but it sounds like you had to kind of try and discover them quite young because of the circumstances that you were in yeah I think I grew up very quickly from that point on and maybe in my 20s I had potentially a slightly different outlook but I guess also it was a combined a combination of suddenly having to take this real responsibility for my mental health, my physical health, my general well-being, but also with my career taking off really, really quickly. Again, when I was like 22, 23, yeah. you suddenly had what felt like a lot of responsibility. It's interesting that, you know, you taking that responsibility for yourself in your, because obviously you realised that it was going to determine your future. Like if you didn't, like you said earlier, it might just mean that you were stuck at home and weren't able to progress in the way that perhaps your friends might have been but then whilst you started exploring this world and then it became this huge thing that you probably didn't anticipate happening I mean I don't want to put words in your mouth but what was that experience like going from feeling quite hopeless to then suddenly having this career that was exploding and everyone kind of wanting a piece of you I mean, utterly bizarre. Like you definitely were not putting words in my mouth there. Like it was a very unexpected unfolding of events. And I... What were those events? Well, it was was a kind of strange combination of things, really. So it was in um, spring 2012 when I had this real wake up moment and felt, okay, I need to try and take some control of my life Mm -hmm. because I felt I had lost all semblance of control over it. And I became very interested in diet and lifestyle and how the way that we look after our bodies um, can make such a big difference to our health. And it was fascinating. And I thought, look, if it's worked for other people, it might work for me. So I taught myself to cook and I I shared those recipes online and and Delicious Yellow was born. But I genuinely sit here today and I'm really not just saying this, like I didn't intend for other people to read it. It wasn't... it wasn't a means to an end by any... It was like a cathartic it was just kind a, of It was a personal project. I needed something in my life. My life was so empty. Um, mm. And so exactly, it was a personal project. And I was actually so embarrassed about it. What, when it started to take off? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was embarrassed about it for, for so long, but I was so... Why? Well, I don't know. I mean, I was so embarrassed of it to start with because I felt who on earth am I to write about food and right. to share this online? Like I have it's like an imposter syndrome. Full, like fully. I have no authority. I have no experience. Like no one should read this. And so I said, I won't show it to anybody until um, it hits 10,000 strangers, like 10,000 hits from strangers. And if it gets to that point, I'll show, you know, a few friends. And it hit that point, actually the week of my 21st birthday. Um, and... I so I showed some friends and they showed some friends and then within two years the site had 130 million hits and I had all these people there was this a map on the it was a WordPress site and there was a map on the back end of the WordPress site and you could see all the countries in the world where people were reading it and it was 
just extraordinary. People started to write in and tell me about what a difference I had made to their life and their own health and them discovering the recipes. But even at that point, yeah, I still had a real imposter syndrome. And I think when the first book came out, which was in January 2015, and again, I really don't say this to be self-deprecating because I have gently learned to start to back yourself and and Mm -hmm. how important that is. And I think especially as women for us to encourage each other to do that and to champion each other and... um, but equally, like, I'm really not being self-deprecating to say, like, no one expected it to succeed. Like, you know, we could have but sold... you hadn't told anyone about... Oh, you mean Oh, no, the book. I had at this point the book. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, there was a there was a dedicated online following. It wasn't that the expectation that we'd sell 10 books, but no one thought it was going to be some, what like, was. smash hit. Like, absolutely not. And I think they'd printed 20,000 copies or so, and if they'd sold them all, they would have been pleased, and that would have been all good. But we sold out of copies before the book published published and how many did it sell so we've sold one and a half million books since wow. then which is which is in That's in crazy. the uk and so I, and i think it's had 30 plus translations so so yeah quite quite a lot and how does that feel for you now looking back does it feel real and can you feel proud of it yeah no i do i now feel really really proud of it but i think at the time because i was it was so unexpected like i really wasn't ready for it and it's also such a contrast of where it sounds like you were at quite soon before then so it's so lost such low self-esteem felt so alien from people had no sense of purpose no sense of future so lost and then suddenly starting to explore what felt like this totally left field thing where people thought I was quite bizarre. Um, and then you go from there to within like a week, you are on every TV show and having an interview in every newspaper. And I mean, I was only 23 at the time. Super young, yeah. So really young and you're literally everywhere. And then obviously that quick switch from people talking to you to talking about you and having lots of opinions on you. And look... You know, I don't think it's unfair to say I I don't think my imposter syndrome was unjustified. You know, it's really interesting because I think I try and be very honest when your stress or your concerns or anxiety or imposter syndrome feels valid to the extent that you are so far out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. um, or something really does make sense that it would be triggering that thought process in you. And I think when I look back on it, it would have been quite extraordinary if that hadn't been the case. Like I was 23, I had started cooking at home as a small hobby. I didn't know how to write a book. And, you know, I didn't intend to write it to kind of teach the nation. And suddenly that was the you way- You that responsibility. Yeah, and it was, you know, you're the queen of this and, you know, the leader of this and being touted as something that I just hadn't positioned myself as, didn't see myself as. And I thought- oh, I'm not not sure this is quite right. Which I guess is a very common thing with, I guess, fame. When people have that kind of explosion that feels almost overnight, that they haven't quite caught up with it. And so I always find this concept of the internal world and the external one kind of feeling at odds with each other. Did you feel for a while that it took you a minute to catch up with what was happening on, oh, in your external world. Like, yes, <laughs> like so much more than a minute. But yeah, I mean, the first, so the rest of 2015, I mean, I remember I had like really crippling anxiety. Like I was just, I just felt consistently like I'm going to get found out. You know, yeah. people are going to realize that I don't know what I'm doing. And I said really clearly, you know, in that book, I'm a home cook. This is my personal project. This is why I'm doing it. This is why I started it. So it's not like I was... Um, you weren't lying. No, not at all. I wasn't trying to pre- present myself as something that I wasn't. But I think sometimes the way things get picked up and get talked about, yeah. you know, the headlines sometimes speak to something a bit different, you know. Of course. And then and naturally, the bigger something gets, you're always going to invite more criticism. And then that can be quite derailing if you don't feel 100% confident about it yourself. Exactly. So I had a real sort of period of, I guess reflection in 2015 and and it was it was very busy work-wise but it was really deciding like do I want this am I comfortable with this why well because I felt if it's making you feel that anxious like is this really because what was happening externally was this huge success this like amazing book deal and it's selling all around the world and you're 
everything's expanding but then you and didn't feel good about it no not at all and I didn't feel I think I hadn't probably had the time to like for want of a better word reconnect with myself and kind of build myself back up I think I've always said this I feel I've always felt it took a lot longer to regain my mental health um, than my physical health because I think that sense and I didn't have great self-esteem going into being really unwell like I really definitely didn't I've always really struggled with that and so I think it's t- it took a long, long time to build that back up. So well, I think people think that if you become successful and famous, then you'll have good self-esteem and it just doesn't work that way. No, I think if anything, it like gives a lot of permission to continue to chip away at it. Um, and so I feel like I've almost spent the last 10 years proving to myself that that success um, was justified to some extent. When you said that you felt like you weren't sure whether you wanted to carry on because I know that sometimes when something feels I don't know if you have imposter syndrome or whatever is going on in your own head did you ever feel like you wanted to sabotage it yeah for sure definitely and and just in like small ways of just not wanting to do things or turning things down and I definitely yeah just continuously said no to things or step back from things and and I feel like I've almost had to build a body of evidence to myself, you know, that like you do work hard and you have, um, and you deserve it. Yeah, I would like it's justified to an extent, which is which is really interesting. Um, but I wish I had enjoyed it a bit more. And I think sometimes yeah. when we have these, and it happens in everyone's lives in different ways, and it's not it's not always to do with work, but you have these kind of extraordinary moments where great things happen and things take off and there's something exciting going on that I think sometimes we're so surprised Um, it's almost like we're waiting for the other shoe to drop so we can't really embrace the moment exactly I read this amazing book it's it's my favorite book I've probably ever read and it's called I may be wrong I don't know if you've read it oh my gosh it's so brilliant it's by a Buddhist monk who unfortunately died it must he must have passed away about two two years ago um but it was just um he was, I'm pretty sure he was Swedish and he um, had had a very corporate job and he sort of renounced everything and, and spent about 20 years living as a Buddhist monk. And he just had the most extraordinary outlook on life and he has this saying in it that really resonated with me, which is maybe, maybe not. You know, mm. it might it might be good, it might not be good. No one knows. No one knows the answer to any of that. And, you know, it's that idea that the only certainty is uncertainty. And I wish it's exactly that it's I think a lot of us spend a lot of our time oh, yeah. waiting for something to go wrong, like not really believing that this something good can last and yeah. it can stay and it's okay and you can enjoy it. And I think I really try and apply that to myself now when I feel nervous or I feel overwhelmed, even if it's something small like flying and turbulence, you know, that idea of like, mm-hmm. maybe it's a problem and maybe it's yeah. not a problem. And there's just as much to shift. believe exactly that like every time you you see that like there's every reason to believe it will be good as it will be bad yeah I find that quite hard I can kind of become quite obsessed with knowing or wanting to know the outcome of situations that you never really do never and that's the thing and I think I spent so long like that that I I missed a lot of my life in a way I mean I hopefully still have a lot of it to go but I think it's been such a kind of rich experience the last decade building the company and all the experiences that have come with that and motherhood but I think I've been so busy waiting for something bad to happen that actually I haven't enjoyed way too much of it do you feel like now a decade on you have enough evidence to be like actually maybe it's going to be yeah I think I think so I think I probably had enough times where I've looked at this idea of like maybe maybe not and realized like actually very, very few things are as bad as they initially seem. And so or even if the that worst, jumping to conclusions is largely quite unhelpful. Well, you end up causing yourself unnecessary pain. Yeah, and I honestly laugh that... at it so much. I look at it and I'm like, you were so worried about this. And look, it all turned out okay in the end. Well, you know, a decade on and essentially building an empire. I feel like you are building a bit of an empire with your partner as well, which I want to get into. What have been some of the challenges that you face and how much has the vision for Deliciously Ella changed and evolved along the way? I don't think the vision's changed at all, which is really interesting. Um, What was the vision? 
in the simplest way to be really useful. I really wanted, I felt so desperate in where I was when I was ill and so empowered by unlocking these simple changes that I wanted to share that with people. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do it in a way that was useful, that was meaningful and where I could be a kind of um, unlocker of it and carrier of it, but it wasn't all about me. I realized that very, very quickly after that, when we were saying that time of anxiety after the first book came out and that yeah. slight sense of notoriety and realizing like, I don't want this to be all about me. I want this to be about this mission of helping people eat better in a simple everyday mm-hmm. way. And, and I can be a, yeah, a flag carrier for that, but it's not going to be all about me and my life all day, every day. Which I think, I mean, before you carry on on that, is such an important takeaway for anyone, just having that mindset shift of most things tend to be quite me orientated and we live in that world more than ever today, but actually making it about how can I be of service? How can what I do help people just alleviate some of that anxiety in itself? Yeah, I mean, that is... I mean, I guess it's a bit strange to be like, that's the best thing that's ever happened to me. But it's, it, you know, but it's one of the best things that's ever happened to me because I think I definitely am like a warrior and a catastrophizer and someone who can go like internal very, very quickly. And I think having something that you're really connected to that's so much bigger than you, that's not really about you. Um, and that sense of purpose has been extraordinarily powerful. And so in that sense, the vision hasn't really ever changed. It's always been about helping people eat better in a simple everyday way and of course the execution of it has evolved massively as the Mm -hmm. company has grown but actually the mission is the mission is so identical which that's so nice it's really nice and I think that's what that's why I still love it and in 2015 so when you had that moment of thinking I don't know whether this is for me or whether I can sustain this what was the moment that brought you back on track it was that it was literally it was the simplicity of this community and of this purpose and Mm. I I think because of the personal experience of being at that extraordinary low like when I just you know I still get messages from people every day saying what we've done and has made such a big difference to their life and you know sometimes it's in a small way and sometimes it's in a really massive, massive way of way, like yeah. the extent to which it's changed their health and their well-being and when you read that you just think who cares if I feel a bit anxious you know who cares if someone doesn't like me who cares if someone writes something about me I don't like like it just really is going to affect hundreds thousands hundreds of thousands millions of people and genuinely improve their life like god that's worth it and also what an amazing feeling to get yeah that it's the most message humbling. or meet someone that says this has changed my life and I've got my health back on track to have played that role in someone's life it's phenomenal like it is honestly like the most it's like it's a massive gift and so it does it keeps you you know look don't get me wrong sometimes it you know it wanes and I you know knackered and I'm like disengaged for a week but it it keeps it's like the most amazing anchor and mm-hmm. it's like it keeps drawing it's you back wife. in totally and I think having that and whenever people send a message and they're like I want to start a business or we say like make sure you know why you're going to do it because to it's your point like what yeah. have the challenges been I mean well, we could sit here for at least a year top three detail them top three I mean I think honestly the biggest challenges are when you think you're going to go bust like that's definitely when you think oh god this is really stressful um for sure and especially how many times has that happened I mean in the early days like probably probably three or four where you feel like you're really you know on on an knife edge Mm -hmm. um which is I imagine as you're expanding yeah when and different reasons and but that was that's extraordinary and you know when covid happened and everything stalled you know we had a personal guarantee over our house and all the and again you, you see no sales and you've that's you know it's it's really challenging and then you all sorts of other challenges along the way i think from a personal perspective the the biggest diff, biggest challenge was probably also in you know, balancing like all the other things that are going on in your life with work. And when those become really overwhelming, that's difficult. So in 2000 
and 17 my mother-in-law was diagnosed with um terminal brain cancer and she, and she passed away a year later in may 2018 so you I'm know sorry. navigating that yeah. for example um because for those the, that don't know you work with your so husband I work with my husband yeah pretty unusual <laughs> yeah. it's amazing honestly so we but we don't know any different like we met three weeks after my first book came out and within a week we moved in together so we went oh. on three dates thursday sunday the next thursday and we never left each other since that thursday and after kind of two weeks or so he started helping me with delicious yellow and things that i was doing and after like two months he quit his job and we started building delicious yellow together so it's been a with our lives are so entwined in every capacity that it's mm. I think when people are surprised that we work together we can't really you don't know anything any we different. don't know any different we don't know each other we don't know our relationship without that but it does because it is our whole life in so many ways it feels very much like our life's work it's it's quite extraordinary to share that together and share that sense of pride when things go well and that excitement but also to have that total unwavering understanding and compassion um, for the challenges yeah and, and that sense you're completely in it together because I guess when you are your business there's never really an off switch at the end of the day so I was going to say you know how do you manage keeping that stuff slightly separate from home life but it probably sounds like it probably isn't. No, it's not. It's like there's there's not really any starting and stopping between. And I think initially we kind of felt, because people talk so much about work-life balance and boundaries, yeah. like do we need that? Do we need to have this like rule? We won't talk about X or we won't talk about mm. Y or we won't do this when we're away. And we realised that we, we love it. Like you we love, love what we do. It's so fulfilling and it's so exciting. And actually that's very much who we both are. And I think that's taken again like a really long time to accept in a way like who I am and what I really enjoy and like I'm a real introvert I really don't enjoy going out I enjoy you know being with my very very close friends but I don't in particularly enjoy like big it's social occasions events, yeah. like you know I, I like a, a small cozy quiet life and I like just to be with my kids my husband like that that's really my idea of absolute heaven and I I love the challenge of work like I really I find it more exciting and more stimulating than a yeah. party and I know that and I'm like even now I say that and I'm like oh my gosh what will people no, I think? love that I think but that's it's fantastic really, but it's it, also knowing like what authentically lights you up. Exactly, exactly. And don't get me wrong, like I don't always enjoy it. Like every day, you know, some days are an absolute slog. Of course there are and there's lots of practical, boring things involved like in anyone's life. But with life. anything. Exactly. But actually when I think about what I'm really excited about, I feel more excited about building our life around our work than I do about lots of other things. Mm -hmm. And so, but again, I think we have these like really predetermined images and ideas of like what someone should be and what someone should appear as and what they should be excited about and what yeah what kind of cool person looks like essentially and I think it's really interesting as you get older and a bit more experienced I guess to start to like dismantle that and say no that that's not who not I me. am that's not what it looks like for me and that's okay yeah which I think often comes post Saturn return when you're like whatever it is for you you're like, actually I don't like going to those parties or I'm, I'm tired of trying to be this type of person and actually just embracing the things that bring you joy exactly and it doesn't matter what those are and they're going to be so different for all of us but I think it's just that full acceptance of like nothing's right nothing's wrong it's just a very personal decision we touched on it a second ago about you know when people ask you about starting up a business I feel at the moment there is more of a desire than ever before for people to do something that aligns with their purpose you know to have something that's a real mission like for why they are here and on one hand I think that that's like a really romantic beautiful concept and then sometimes I'm like but is that a realistic thing to preach to everyone of course some people are very fortunate that they're able to do something that totally aligns with who they are but I don't I don't know and so I'm curious from your experience and probably given that you have a lot of people asking you about this what are your thoughts 
on that? Yeah, it's a very good question. It's, I think it is romanticized. Like, yeah, definitely. I think there is this glamorization of starting your business, being your own boss, um, quitting your nine to five. Exactly. That is so far removed from the reality of it um and I think it's about knowing it's just as we were saying it's like knowing who who you are and what you really enjoy because equally on the flip side I think if building something and really kind of focusing your mind and your attention on that is something that does light you up and it you are more excited about creating a tool, a class, a business, a product, a service about something that's instrument that's been instrumental to your life that you're so excited about and you're really passionate that it has a role in other people's lives and you, you want to share that. You need to share yeah, that. Yeah, you feel yeah. really like for want to better called to share that. Like you're so excited about it. It means so much to you to do that. And you are so willing to put that above and beyond essentially everything else in your life. I do think it gives you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're not, I think it is the worst idea you'll ever have. And the worst advice. But I mean, I feel like yeah. every podcaster at the moment is like, I quit. <laughs> I just have to, like we're two women of privilege that do do our own podcasts and other things. And there's so many factors that play into that. So I think to dish out advice for people that's like, you just quit it and you start an online course. I'm like, I don't know whether that's no, very I good advice. Also, yeah, I think exactly. Like the vast majority of businesses fail. That's that's just a yeah. fact. And, and creating something that can sustain your life for decades from a financial perspective it's, it's just it's very difficult and it, but even you said you know the biggest challenges were thinking that you were going to go bankrupt and of course like I look at it from the outside as everyone asks like oh it must have just been you know success all the way but you don't realize actually because I was speaking to someone that was talking about staying in their job and they didn't know whether they wanted to stay in it for a few years and they'd get like a sign-on fee to do it and then I was thinking in my head I was like god if I, I'd love to have a sign-on fee to keep doing Saturn returns for like four years you know it's like such a different mentality but I've kind of cut you off from what you were saying no no not at all no it was exactly that like and you know I don't know any other founders who have had a different experience where you had to put your work above friends above going to weddings above going on holidays I think we cancelled 17 different attempts that we took at taking time off and going on a holiday were cancelled in the first four years of working together like it's it's just what you do like and you don't complain about it and sometimes it's on Christmas and sometimes it's like you never know when the problem's coming and you know so we no one you know I I don't have anything in my diary for next year like I don't plan anything more than like because you can't no because you can't because you like you are fully married to and committed to your business and you don't know and then married to your business and then married partner. To business partner which is brilliant because then you have complete appreciation of it because that just, can be challenging oh my gosh so for a partnership I, if one person doesn't understand that space to kind of negotiate it and be like why are you working all weekend or whatever exactly and that's just what you've got to do and I think that's the bit that people don't talk about enough. And so this idea of like, just go and do what you want to do. It doesn't actually look like that. Yeah. Um, and the amount of uncertainty and stress that comes with it is extraordinary. And I also think there is this danger of turning any hobby or something that you enjoy into something that has to be more than that. Like it's well, it can, okay. It can kill it. Exactly. It's more than okay to have a job that like, it's fine you quite like it's okay it doesn't light you up but it very much pays the bill and it doesn't take over your life and outside of that you you have the things that that light you up and that you don't you commit to in a way that you really enjoy and you they're just there for enjoyment and that is massive success too like I I think that this success is so different for everybody it's defined so differently and it's I think there is yeah this danger of like you love astrology so quit your job and go into work in astrology or yeah you're very interested in health and wellness so like start your own health and wellness business and like unfortunately the vast majority of the time like those businesses don't succeed and it's obviously a particularly challenging environment at the moment um but also like you said it's so important I think people are neglecting that piece around 
because as we go into the working world and we're trying to like make a living, I feel like most people cut off the things that light them up because they're not their earner. So they might do something like painting when they were little or younger and then they just stop. And it's not necessarily to say like, maybe they are supposed to be a painter, but how about inviting that back into your life and then reassessing how you feel about what you do more holistically because it tends to just work does tend to kind of take over and then people spend their spare time kind of escaping you know their reality and then it can become a bit of a vicious cycle totally and feeling like everything they do has to like reach a certain point you know like you love yoga so now you have to be a yoga teacher it's like no no you don't you could just go to the class and enjoy it and it doesn't matter if you're you know, and people say you can't be good or bad at yoga, but it doesn't matter if you're like the most advanced totally. in the class or not. It doesn't mean anything. You're there because you enjoy it. And I think that we're not great at that in our society of just, and it's actually one of the things I really love with my kids is like, they love arts and crafts and coloring and you just color for the sake of, it, for yeah. the sake of coloring. Like, and I find that really, really enjoyable. Has it made you tap into those things yourself? Definitely. And the and I really enjoy, yeah, their perspective. And, and they do things because they think they're fun. And mm-hmm. that is it. And I, I really like that. And, and it's I, sad that we stamp that out. Totally, exactly. And, and we think that we have to become good at everything that we do. And mm-hmm. as I said, like, they colour and they do stickers because they enjoy doing stickers. They're not doing it because they want to be really, really good at colouring. And I think that we... Yeah. yeah, this like obsessive nature of proving ourselves and, and perfectionism that's so deeply embedded in so many of our cultures and the way that we live our lives and our upbringing. And I know, of course, like, you know, not to be kind of overly simplistic about, simplistic about it, but of course, you know, the internet and social media plays a role in that be- because we get these totally false insights into people's lives. Like, nothing you see on social media is real not not because people are lying to you like absolutely not I I think that's a bit you know that's too far the other way but because you're seeing I mean some people well no many people but yeah they're giving you like a highlight trailer of they're giving you a millisecond you know Mm. they're giving you like an a literally like a millisecond of their life and well how have you found navigating that space throughout your entire career and how do you think it's changed I definitely have like much more of an arm's length relationship to social media than now, you did for sure um definitely I think I I just feel that it's I, I really like social media I think it has a really amazing role and I think there are lots of things that it's done that we don't talk about the positives enough you know take cooking for example like it has really democratized cooking before I think people had much bigger sense of like I'm not a good cook because cooking was very much dominated by what you saw on tv it was much more kind of a master chef kind of mm, era and inaccessible exactly and it's you know it's very complicated cooking and I understand why that doesn't feel that appealing and now you have people showing you what they make for dinner after work in 15 minutes and it's like a packed yeah. lunch and it's so simple and it breaks it down that's a really good point actually because that's probably paid a huge played a huge role in how people have become more healthy exactly they have more and awareness it, totally and it's the same with like quick tips on fitness or mm. like really great ideas about like i don't know i've always get served these sorts of things but like you know an ikea wardrobe hack like how you take yeah. those wardrobes and turn it into something that looks like the most amazing built-in wardrobe like this is great that is great those are great content and pieces of content like i follow lots of different child psychologists and nutritionists and like i have learned a lot of very valuable information there but the problem is is that because we all spend too much time on it i think we just think that it's much more real than it is and as i said it's not that what these people of course you're absolutely right there's a lot of it which is which is actually just yes a slightly exaggeration of the truth or yeah. bending of it but a lot of it is that you follow this person you followed them for years and years and years you check in with them almost every single day so you think you know them but actually like they're only telling you you know a fraction of it and again I'm very quick to say like I think so often that's also the case because lots of things aren't their stories to tell you know like with me for example like with parenting I don't talk really yeah. about my children on social media well, you're I'm, kind of damned if you do and damned if you like yeah but also, whatever you say someone's gonna have that's not my story to tell like it's yeah. not it's not my I don't feel that it for me it's right to come on and say like 
this one of my children did this today and I found that really difficult and etc like that's their life and that's their story as in your children yeah I don't think it's right for me to to you know look some days are like an absolute nightmare (laughs) you know and they're screaming how are they gonna feel when they're adults exactly it's not right you share that time through like a nappy at your head or whatever it might be yeah I'm like I don't think that's I don't I just don't feel like that's my information to give or like Mm -hmm. You know, I remember, yeah, it was, a, it was a difficult few years. My my parents went through a very, very, very um, difficult divorce and all sorts of things came out in the wash. And what, More recently? A couple of years ago. And then right. very shortly after that was when, yeah, my, my mother-in-law got cancer and it was, you know, she didn't want to talk about it for the first six months. And then mm-hmm. she actually really wanted, she was a politician and she actually then really wanted to use her profile to, to champion um, the development of um, different uh, potential um, cures or, or ways to prolong um, life with brain cancer because it's, it's an area that hasn't come on for decades. But so she did then want to talk about it. But there was a period of time where, you know, we were in the worst months of our life and, and you wouldn't see any of that on social media because it's not my story to tell. And I think you people forget that mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. And everyone's very quick to want to share perhaps for the wrong exactly or like you know you're saying what are the challenges with work like they are literally you know never ending but most of them aren't they're not appropriate to share online like you get to a point where that's not right you don't your customers can't know that you know that's not or the whole team can't know that the team is now basically 100 people like it's not appropriate for all information to be shared and I think we have this like expectation that we should know everything about everyone all of the time because of the way that the world is today and it's just like it's just not how it works in reality so I think yeah do you think you're quite a private person um I'm a real mix actually like I'm very open about lots of things um and there's like there's not really anything that I'm not happy to talk about but I'm probably not the first to volunteer all of the information and Mm -hmm. I think having lived a not public life and again that was a really conscious decision really early on like I didn't want to be I'm very happy to be known for what I do but I didn't want to be a public figure you know so I didn't want to go to parties and events and be photographed to talk about what I was wearing etc like I'm did you feel a pressure to do that no 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 none and I I just didn't want to do it and I'm sure there's parts of doing that that would have furthered my career but I, I just didn't want to I just didn't want to do that um I think I've always wanted like as much autonomy over myself and my life as I could. And it just, that just wasn't, that's not to say that's not a bad life choice. It's just not the life choice for me. I, uh, that's not what I enjoy. And it wasn't particularly appealing for, for me. And so, yeah, I guess I made a decision really early on to not want to do those sorts of things, to be known for starting Delicious Yellow, for growing Delicious Yellow, for helping people eat better, to look after their health and their well-being, but not for just being me. And with the stuff, because you said like a few years ago, it was quite challenging. You had a lot of personal stuff going on. Then running the business with your husband, like what was that like managing all of those things together? Just really intense. Yeah. Um, so intense. It was honestly like this, the, it was just like we were living on, you know, when you, if you're watching Sky or something and you do like times 30, yeah. it felt like we lived on times 30. Like everything, the speed at which things have happened has just been extraordinary. And actually it was when Sky, who's my older daughter, so she's four and almost four and a half now. And she was about seven months old, I think, when COVID started. And it was that lockdown and that stopping at the beginning of lockdown where I sat down and I was like, oh my goodness. In yeah five years since my first book came out we've yeah published another five cookbooks I hired you know gosh however many people we've got a team of this many people we've got products in 10,000 shops we've opened three cafes we've closed two of them we've turned one of them into a restaurant we've done this we've launched an app we've like yeah it was just like oh my gosh we've we've done a lot of things and at the same time have navigated yeah we've met each other we've got married exactly like my my whole family have kind of broken up in in lots of different ways both my parents have got new partners my dad's getting remarried or he is now remarried my you know then my 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 husband's family my mother-in-law passed away and and their family dynamics all shifted and then we had our own baby and 
just sort of sitting so we'd moved house three times we'd moved office three times yeah we'd nearly gone bust it definitely three times we'd had investors we then bought the investors out and it was like i wanted i wanted mad. To, that is that is yeah sounds, it was a so, i mean i'm exhausted hearing that <laughs> but what I want to talk about the investor bit because I remember, I think, you telling me that last time I saw you, which is a really interesting piece that I wanted to cover. But back to you and your husband. Obviously, you have your role as husband and wife, but what we, what are your roles in business? And by that, I don't mean like who's CEO, that kind of thing. Like who is the, the vision and like do you have a kind of clear dynamic of how that works and how they complement each other yeah and I do think that is really important like I, I know I was saying earlier like how how much I love working together and I think that's because we are we're so aligned in our values and what matters to the, t- to the two of us and again I think that's that's been really important we're like very very similar people in that way but equally like the way that we think and our brains from a more professional perspective is so different like for me I'm all vision like 100% vision and he is 100% making things happen and, and you need that you need that you absolutely one need doesn't that. work without the other like not even a teeny tiny bit and like again when I, I always say and I'm so quick to say like delicious yellow would never ever be anywhere near where it is today if I had done it by myself and I think people again think that's like almost like misogynistic and like giving you know what I mean like taking too much away from you but it's really not like I I really acknowledging like the partnership and also you know equally he wouldn't have been able to do it without you exactly we've really enabled each other but I think a mistake that a lot of people make is thinking that they can be all the things and you can have a vision for something that can be enough of a reason to do it but without having the team or the people around you to help realize that dream it can often you know not manifest the way that it's supposed to yeah I think learning to know what you don't know is really a brilliant skill did that come into play when you met him or did you start to know that before I knew that before because I I, and I also knew that yeah I knew this like the kind of practical application of the business was never going to be my strong suit mm-hmm. um so I always felt the delicious yellow would never reach kind of full potential with just me but did you always have the vision for it too um I think I always was curious as to what it could be but he has definitely built brought like a different level of confidence and and to the vision for sure mm-hmm. I love that and in terms of the investor thing, because that's quite was quite a huge thing to do. What was how did you get them involved, and then what was the decision making process around deciding to kind of bring it back in between you guys? Yeah, I mean, we were laughing about this last night. We seemed to have this like constant desire to roll the dice, <laughs> like just like keep risking things again and again and again. But we no, we brought some investors into the business in twenty. 17 yeah uh no 20 yeah 2017 2018 and um did you always think you'd want an investor no not not really but we needed a bit of money for our cash flow basically so it was a very small amount and then a huge amount and then what became really clear to us was again like we wanted full control full autonomy autonomy over the company and what it was going to be and what it was going to do and we didn't feel that we could have that completely in that situation and so we made the decision to buy them out so that was in early 2021 um that we decided to do that which is really unusual obviously like especially at that point like most people are trying to bring investors into their company and and we were trying to remove them and have this family-owned company which again feels yeah a little bit unusual but we've just like we yeah we wanted full control over it we wanted to be wanted to be able to grow it and develop it in the way that we wanted was that tough well it yeah (laughs) that was one of those situations but when we made the decision to do it and we really went back and forth on it because it was it was a a it was a big decision and we took a multi-million pound loan to be able to do it and that was guaranteed against like us and our house and the business and all the rest of it and so it was um high risk yeah and we had two tiny children like a six month old and an 18 month old and so you are definitely rolling the dice the easy option would not 
be to do that <laughs> the easy option would be to you know sell their stake and some more definitely to to someone else um but it wasn't what we felt had like the biggest integrity and to the company um but we did it in a different environment and it felt like we were coming to the end of covid and everything was looking really sunny mm-hmm. and then obviously the omicron variant came out and then by that christmas things were looking like bit bleak again really bleak again and then obviously we then had you know the war in ukraine and all um the inflationary pressures um so the next year felt really overwhelming because suddenly we were yeah paying infinitely more on the interest and um yeah we had a lot of time where then we couldn't get stock out because um of shortage of ingredients or because the factories were closed because of um omicron because of covid and so yeah, that was that was one of the kind of darkest moments. I think also we were just so burnt out from imagine, like a yeah. few years of consistent problems between this the beginning of COVID and and that point. And so um, now I don't regret it for a second. But there was definitely a moment of like, oh my gosh, like why don't we just choose the easy option? <laughs> but I guess you wouldn't learn you know the amazing lessons and and, and no and the easy options not often they're like most rewarding or the exactly. funnest option but we we then sat down like three months ago and we sat down and we were having dinner together and we were like this is the first time in eight years that our life has felt calm the last okay. two months have felt calm our like kids sleep through the night they're really settled once at school once at nursery like this is this is great like we maybe we've done it like maybe we have all of this hard work was like super super worth it and like we can breathe and for the first time in like eight years it was it's always been fun and the mission's always been there and the excitement and the drive and the like desire to make a change and and to yeah play a meaningful role in society for once a better word has been there but and so it's been great but it's been just not without relentless yeah. and like um and then and there's a reason that most fail and not many can achieve what you guys have and then anyway and then one of our um main suppliers went into administration and so we were like great let's (laughs) buy a factory (laughs) oh shit so So, yeah so so we yeah anyway and then we we did that today it's inevitably gonna come with its own challenges so now we're like okay maybe that's what you guys like thrive off it must be because we apparently love to do it (laughs) so yeah so now so that's our next, that's our next big challenge. But it is, a, yeah, there's a reason we keep doing it and keep looking for challenge, I think, which is that, as we, I said earlier, like, I think it is what we really enjoy. And there is a moment where the risk feels a bit too great and the pressure feels a bit suffocating and you wake up in the middle of the night, can't really breathe. But actually, like most of the time, it, it's what makes our life really fun. And also you have each other to, you know, be supportive exactly what would your advice be for entrepreneurs that have you know something they really need to do let's say because I feel that a lot of people think that investment is always the route and obviously it's very nuanced depending on who you are and what you want to achieve but what would your advice be for those setting out and trying to really build something that has a lot of autonomy Yeah, it's a great question. Look, I think it speaks to a lot of what we've spoken about so far, which is that other people don't often have the answer. And that's not, by the way, to say that you know know best or it's like absolutely not. Like everyone has their own answers is, is probably a better way of saying it. But I think there is this like, image in people's mind that like, I'll get money from someone and that will unlock the success. It's almost like that same, instead of believing that you in, you internalize the answer, it's this sense of like, right, when I have someone else come on board, like that's when everything will fly. Like mm-hmm. that's when my idea will work. And I think sometimes that's how people look at investment. Yeah, it's another company. way of like subcontracting your authority. Yeah, and your success in so many ways. And I think, you know, gosh, the number of businesses that we've seen start and stop in the time that we've been doing this has been huge. And so many of them have taken on absolutely vast amounts of money and it hasn't always been the answer and I think you know and I don't mean to be overly cheesy but I do think if you can build a brand or a product a goods or services a company that has meaning to somebody that is worth like infinitely more to some extent and like on a really practical and kind of boring 
example like we see that all the time you know we'll launch something new into a supermarket and as well one of our competitors who's owned by like a very large conglomerate and they will spend literally like several million pounds on a marketing campaign and we will spend five pounds <laughs> you know literally it's just like organic social media and ours sell a lot 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 better we are now outselling almost all of them and we still you know we have a very small team all things considered like we have a almost non-existent marketing budget and it's always about like these products stand for something this business stands for something and I think people connect to that and relate to that and I think so do you think it comes down to authenticity I mean I think it's about connection isn't it and something Mm -hmm. meaning something to you and you see that like amazing brands whether that's you know Patagonia like it really stands for something and it really means something to people and it's amazing the longevity of that and Mm -hmm. I think there is this desire like I'll come in I'll pay a lot of money to a branding agency and I'll spend a lot of money on bus adverts and tube adverts and and then I'll succeed and I'm just not convinced having watched the space for quite a long time that that is the case and it's not a quick fix no I just don't think I really passionately believe I guess if there was like almost one message from from this that like quick fixes don't exist and it doesn't matter what aspect of your life you're looking at it doesn't matter if that's your relationships because ultimately like great relationships come when you have a great relationship with yourself and there is no quick fix to that with your health there is no quick fix to that like it doesn't you're not going to change the way that you feel whether that's mentally or physically within a day a week a month and it's also a lifelong commitment to various different practices to keep looking after yourself and and it's the same in your work like there is never going to be an easy answer there's never going to be a silver bullet like life doesn't work like that and it's frustrating to some extent because gosh wouldn't it be nice if there was it though well No, probably not because you wouldn't have the, you know, that whole idea of like you can't have Friday night without Monday morning. You know, you've got to have the lows to have the highs. And and I do believe that. Um, But I think that we just live in this world and, you know, not to be kind of like too flippant about it, but you know you you go on amazon and like with amazon prime like everything's instant anything you want is arriving even as early as like a few hours later but tomorrow you know you don't want to make dinner you and you used to live in a city like you click a button and someone will bring you food within like 20 minutes you know Mm. you don't want to go and get groceries like again you can go on an app and they can be cycled to your door like we we have this we are learning and I I think it's really interesting you know I think about my kids and like what that generation think of because they really do believe you can click any button and the answer can be there very 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 quickly and And life doesn't work but life just doesn't work like that like the meaningful facets of your life whether that is yeah your health your relationships your career like it never works like that like if something is too good to be true then it's it's largely like it's not really true like (laughs) it's you know and and certainly often doesn't last (sighs) I mean, that's just so much beautiful wisdom. Like I, I or it's really depressing. I don't know which. No, it's not because it really encapsulates everything about Saturn returns. Because I used to be someone that was like wanted every shortcut and quick fix. Yeah, me too. And now I've shifted my mentality. Like before, you know, I I started doing this work. If someone said, "Oh, you have to do this for a year before you get," I'd be like, "Oh no, that's way too long." Do you know what I mean? But now I'm like, that's fine. You know, I my concept of time has really changed, and I just think the landscape of social media and all of this instant gratification has meant that everyone wants the shortcut but I'm like but you don't really get anything from the shortcut even if you get the thing you think you want you won't pick up the wisdom along the way and that's the stuff that gives you longevity yeah no it's so so true but we are all drawn to it and so I think there's nothing like it's not to be self-critical or like judgmental of anybody else who who like are desperate for that but it is I think it's just, yeah, it does, it, it lacks the longevity. And is there anything else that you would like to add for our listeners? I feel that there's like a big theme here around autonomy, which I think is a beautiful takeaway, but any kind of final send off? Oh, that feels the pressure. <laughs> I know, no, I, I really have, feel the pressure yeah, on you for that. <laughs> have something really wise to say. <laughs> Um, definitely read I May Be Wrong it's the best book I'm gonna read that yeah it's phenomenal and I think this idea of like building your own life for you and really trusting in who you are and it doesn't matter if it's different from anybody else and it doesn't matter if it fits the mold that you think that you should live into or not and really trusting that I think has extraordinary benefits 
but also knowing that everything takes a long time to unfold and nothing is a like smooth trajectory there is nothing in life where you just you know even if it's a long-term answer not a quick fix like you're going to take many steps backwards on the way forwards and I think that's again just something that we don't talk about enough and so we think doesn't happen for other people Mm -hmm. but it does but it does like everyone goes down just as much as they go up and if you end up a little higher than when you started that's that's when you're winning I love that. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Ella, for joining me. thank you. I love this conversation. So thanks for uh, being on Saturn Returns. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this episode with me and Ella for this incredible conversation. I learned so much from it. Ella might not realise it, but she is so Saturnian by nature and everything that she talked about really, really, like I said, encapsulates the essence of what I'm trying to teach, of all the things that I learned from Saturn. And I think if you guys are listening, you probably feel it too. This this wave at the moment of instant gratification, quick fix, uh, overnight success is just such a, such a misconception of how life actually works. And I truly believe, you know, everything Ella mentioned about there is no quick fix, there is no shortcut, and actually there's going to be a lot of setbacks and, and obstacles along the way, but you know, as long as you continue to rise a little bit more than you were when you started, then you're winning. And so I hope that this is a reminder that what we see online isn't an accurate depiction of reality, and actually if you can do something that aligns with your authentic truth, your values, and you are going through your Saturn return, hopefully it will be able, to, all those things you'll be able to shift into a position where you actually want to build something substantial that has meaning, that has longevity, and that has the foundations. So thank you very much, Ella, for joining me. And I hope you share this to the audience, not Ella, but I hope you share this with someone who you think might find it useful, who's perhaps going through some of these themes or, or struggles or just share it online because that helps us get discovered by more like-minded free thinkers like yourself. And as always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, you are not alone. Goodbye. Goodbye.